Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 34. Our skill topic today is flipping. That's right. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Tanda, what skill class is flipping? Well, according to my sheet here, it is a skill class S. S. Or wait, no, that's a that's a five. Oh. It's a five. It's a skill class five. I see what you did there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, in the spirit of flipping things around, I am going to go first this time instead of everybody else because I always go last. So we're flipping the script here. I'm going to do my research first because I know you guys did all the research. Oh, man. Dude, no joke. I was literally going to throw it back at you after you threw it to me f- because you always throw it to me first and I'm, I never have anything. I mean, I still won't after you go, but go ahead. I'm excited. I'm still second. I'm, that's my usual spot, I think. Oh, sorry. I'll go third. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to let you guys just fight it out on your own. I'm not even going to intervene. You know, it's, uh, but let me, let me um, go into my research. So, of course, I typed in when uh, was flipping invented, the origin of flipping, and immediately what I get is the origins of flipping the bird, the middle finger gesture. Yes. And let me tell you something. It goes back quite a ways to the first recorded flipping the bird was in a play called The Clouds by the Greek Aristophanes in 423 BC. So even back then, it was, you know, not a nice thing to do. But then as we go a little further in time, uh, this I found personally interesting. Uh, If you look up the definition for Philip, F-I-L-L-I-P, which by the name, that, that is the misspelling of my first name, PJ stands for Philip John. Uh, Philip is actually defined as a blow or gesture made by the sudden forcible straightening of a finger curled up against the thumb. This is where flip came from. And uh, where the bird came from is not really uh, in this particular definition, but there's some supposition later on. There was a uh, this was the, I found this kind of interesting. Some people suppose that it actually comes from a battle between the English and the French over a cliffside town. And uh, the English archers, the French saw a need to take out the archers' middle fingers so that they couldn't train another generation of archers. Uh, and the English won the war. So then uh, they walked around town with the, their middle fingers still intact, and they would show the Frenchmen their middle finger and proclaim that they can still flip the bird, which is a reference to an arrow, because uh, the string on the bow is known as a U. Uh, this is how we have flipping the bird and plucking the U came together as flipping the bird, meaning f- you. So this well, is you. You just bleep that out, so they don't even know what you're talking about now. I think they get the meaning. I think they know what it means. But then there's also this uh, this other interesting little tidbit in ancient Rome. Uh, there was a Latin phrase for the middle finger called <laughs> I don't know why I love this so much, digitus impudicus, which literally means unchaste finger. <laughs> And uh, apparently at this particular time in ancient history, the gesture was referring to the more violent uh, anal rape. 
Yeah. So that was definitely, they were telling you they really didn't like you. Great. Yeah. Uh, and then we come to the kinder, gentler United States, uh, <laughs> where I found this, uh, <laughs> I found this kind of interesting. So the first known photograph of flipping the bird was taken in America. It was published in Manual Concepts by Cushing, and uh, it was the first known photo in 1889 by the Boston Bean Eaters baseball team. Charles Old Hoss Radmorn is shown with the middle finger up, uh, and it's between the Bean Eaters and the New York Giants, which were old rivals, and it was a team photo of the two teams, and that's the first official photograph of someone flipping the bird. So that was that was my research on flipping. And now you two can fight it out. Go. That's the most research ever delivered in the first slot. Just saying. But no, Tanda's right. This is her position. You go ahead. Oh no, I didn't I didn't really come up with anything. I think I think flipping is all just angular momentum. I think if you, as long as you uh, you know kind of arch your back a little bit as you go and then just pull your knees in as hard as you can. That's probably the best way to think about uh, about flipping. And if you can do a handspring before to kind of build up some momentum, then uh, then you're you're set for a good flip. But I wouldn't recommend uh, you know say trying it again when you're 50 if you haven't done it since you were 25. You should you should warm up a little first. What if you've never been able to do it? Oh, then go ahead and try it. Yeah, if you've never been able to do it, you're not going to do any worse than you've done before. That's that's for sure. Weirdly enough, I just saw this this little um, video. Uh, Tony Baker does these voiceovers on Instagram, and it shows like this line of people like graduating. I think it's college class, and they're all like walking up on stage to get their diplomas and stuff. And like the third guy back, he's the third guy from getting his diploma, decides he's going to do a flip. But he only flips like halfway and he lands on his head. (laughs) (laughs) And so Tony Baker's like, what were you even thinking? (laughs) I have never landed on my head, but uh, I have uh, not made it all the way around and hit my hit my toes before they came all the way under me, Mm. which uh, which wasn't pleasant. But uh, yeah, yet yet another of those uh, things that uh, my my kind of competitive youth uh, was was one of those things to tick off the the, the circus act. I, I can imagine that there was a lot of angry monkeys. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Tom. Yeah. Do you do you what did you do? Well, I'm 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 pulling up. What's my position called? I'm I'm pulling up the rear. Yeah. I gotta carry I gotta carry everything here. So naturally, I'm gonna talk about flipping superstitions. Oh man. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear these. <laughs> That's what I say every time PJ starts. Flipping superstitions. Flipping superstitions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I googled flipping superstitions and some French stuff came up. I don't know why. It's weird coincidence. Read it to us in French. No. <laughs> well, then I went, uh, maybe I'll just add the word coin in front. So I, I looked up coin flipping superstitions. And uh, there's some famous ones like tossing a coin into a fountain and uh, making a wish, like a wishing well. Uh, apparently there's one in Rome. A very famous one in Rome called the, nope, don't know how to say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. Italian, Trevi, that's French, that was a French accent in Italian. Trevi Fountain, 
in Rome. The legend is that if you throw a coin over your shoulder into the fountain, it will ensure your return to Rome. If you throw two coins, you will find true love, and three coins thrown into the fountain means you will get married soon. What I'm really curious about is what if you take three coins out of the fountain? What happens then? I mean, it seems obvious. The, you'll Yeah, you'll have to leave Rome and get divorced. Apparently. <laughs> I think that's why the population of Italy is going down. And and I have a personal story with the next one. Uh, picking a coin up off the ground. You've probably heard this saying. Uh, find a penny, pick a penny. All day long you'll have good luck. However, um, some people believe that only coins that are found heads up on the ground bring good luck. If the tail's end of the coin is facing up, you might want to leave it on the ground, as it can bring you bad luck. Also known as the devil's butthole. <laughs> I've, I've always picked up pennies that were tail up because I've always called tails when in a coin flip situation. Uh-huh. Um, so I always just considered it. And even after I heard that, I was like, no, tails are my, are my call. That's, that's tails. I'm, I'm picking it up. Well, you flipped that superstition on its head. This is also known as getting some tail. Getting some tail. <laughs> so I, uh, short story here. My son's name is Lincoln. Okay. And when Lincoln was born, we were in the hospital for a few weeks for uh, a heart defect that needed correcting. One person in particular in our family, I don't know why she's so superstitious, but she is. She kept telling us about all these pennies she's been finding. All these Lincoln pennies that she's been finding. And like found one, uh, you know, in the hospital, found one on the street, found one in a vending machine. all, All of these things. I don't know why there were pennies in the vending machine. It's... 2021 but the whole time i'm first of all i think it's just silly and ridiculous but the whole time i'm like can you find some five dollar bills he's on that too (laughs) like let's get real here (laughs) find a five and i'll be impressed but that's all i got and that's all we're gonna get and now i figured out how to get tom to do research thank you very much everyone well, by you going yeah, ahead of time, then Tom, you double Tom's research time just by going ahead of him. Yeah, give me three minutes and I'll do your job. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. It's time to sell a story. Let me tell you one. All right, Tom's got a story to tell us. You sold some things this week. What do you got? All right, I want to tell you about the Thai guys. That's my nickname for them because they're from Thailand and they're guys. It's not very creative, I understand. They told me that they're father and son. I have no idea if that's true, but they do seem to live in the same house and they always visit together. So uh, let's go with that. They have been buying everything that is old, American, and it helps if it's Rockwell, Delta, South Bend, really really strong american brands but old machinery and i have sold them i think i think i have taken over five thousand dollars of their money in the last month and a half which is weird for me which is rare i don't usually sell that much stuff but i think this is their first year here um doing this and they are shipping it all back to thailand to sell there on their facebook website or their facebook page which has about 50,000 followers in Thailand. And if you go to the page and you read the comments, it's all from people that are there. There's even a a physical address for their antique shop. So this week, 
uh, last Saturday. What day is it? Four days ago. Saturday, I actually delivered something to them for the first time. They usually come to me and pick stuff up in their... I don't know what it is. It's like a Toyota... It's like an old RAV4 looking thing. I'm not sure. They asked me to deliver it. It was kind of a big item. And it was that South Bend 9-inch R with the cool cast base. It was like a 1930s South Bend lathe. I bought that lathe maybe three weeks ago for $750. And they paid $1,600 for the lathe. And I also sold them a Rockwell... PJ, what is it? 6x42 sander? Yeah, 6x42 belt sander. Yeah, metal sander. In pretty rough shape um, for 300 bucks. I paid 75 for that sander from the same guy. So both of these tools I picked up in upstate New York for a total of 825 and sold it to them for 1900 which was an amazing deal. Oh, so my first interaction with them was a couple months ago. They bought a scroll saw and a gr- I can't remember what the other tool was now. They bought it from my friend. Um, Tom? Yeah. What what exactly does a squirrel saw do? Squirrel saw? It's like the scroll saw, but pronounced differently. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought you'd know that one. Sorry. No. I thought everybody seems to know that. So they bought some stuff from him, and then they came to my shop also to pick up this, this little anvil vice thing that was probably from China. Like, it was a crappy vice, but they paid me 80 bucks, and I was thrilled. And then he just starts walking around my shop as if everything had a price tag on it. And honestly, everything kind of does have a price tag, right? Just some things are really ridiculously priced. So he picks out this old one-horsepower Black & Decker grinder that I got from the screw machine shop. And uh, we made a deal for $200. Mind you, I paid $300 for that, an Atlas drill press, and a reed surface grinder. He then proceeded to look at my bandsaws, which I told him no, my 14-inch Delta bandsaws, until his next trip when he picked up, I think he came back for the grinder, and then I caved. After I realized this guy was paying real money for real things, I sold him both of my bandsaws. The one was 450 bucks or $400? Yeah, 400 And then the other one was the metal cutting one, and I told him 900 and we settled on 7 So he paid big money for those which I was thrilled about. And then another time he came, he bought a uh, a Delta carbide grinder for carbide tools, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, lathe tools and stuff like that. I think he paid 550 for that thing. And I wouldn't have sold it, but I couldn't say no to 550 And then another time, let's see, there was at least one more visit in there. And then before the lathe, before I delivered the lathe to him. And I'm, and I just, now that I know that these guys are here, I just keep looking for this stuff and I'll pay crazy prices because they're going to pay me even crazier prices. So I'll pay, I won't even get a deal on some of this stuff, but there's a huge markup going to them because they're marking it up big time and they're charging for shipping on their website. They're selling like a Stanley hammer, like an old Stanley claw hammer. It's all in bot. So... 30 bot to $1, give or take. And they're selling a Stanley Hammer for $30 plus plus shipping, which is more than the $30. So it's like a $115 hammer Wow! to the end user. So I can only imagine what they're doing with these, these South Bend lathes. They don't post big things on their website, it seems. Is the store that they have all tools? Um, 
No, if I almost, <clears throat> if I were to define it a little bit better, it's it's old American tools, but it's also a little bit of Americana. Like they have some signage, they have like old oil cans, old lanterns. Those are just the things that I can kind of remember off the top of my head there. But I think it's a it's a niche market for old American made things. And I was thinking I have so I have some friends that are um, Thai, Cambodian, Laotian. They're all very different, but they also kind of there's a little bit of a melting pot in between the countries. And they kind of told me that they don't have like that industrial age stuff there. They don't have like 40s to 60s old cast metal stuff. And uh, because of, you know, turmoil in the country and, and a million reasons, right? They even said that um, uh, they have family over there still. And a lot of their family is still using cattle for plowing fields and things like that. And that's perfectly normal over there. Even though we look at that and we go, why don't you just buy a used tractor? They don't have it. They, there is no used tractor to buy. Um, in fact, my friends want to buy tractors and ship them over there. <laughs> uh, you know, they know people that can, um, receive that stuff. So, uh, it's just, it's fascinating and it's lucrative. Awesome. I didn't heard a lot of stories in my day, but I never heard one like that before. All right. It's time for personal history. Once again, I'm going first flipping the script on this thing. So of course we're talking about flipping things as in buying things and then quickly selling them. And I got to be honest, I don't do this on purpose, but it has happened to me by accident quite a bit. I never know when I buy something, if it is going to turn into a flip. Sometimes I get stuff and it is gone within 24 hours. Like I've had that happen to me maybe like, I don't know, 30 times over the last couple of years. I've bought something listed it the day that I got it, and then it's just, it's gone before I could even put it away. Um, I, the quickest turnaround I ever had was I went out to pick up a bunch of different tools on a round robin. I came back, and when I came back, I was meeting somebody at my house that had already decided, they, they already wanted something to buy that was there, but they brought their friend with them, and their friend saw my mortiser and then I'd like, oh, you want that? I just bought a, a Craftsman drill press with a mortiser. It's in the back of my truck. It's not cleaned up. And he bought it out of the back of my truck without a drive belt, full of sawdust, a little rusty. And I probably could have charged him way more than I did. But I, I bought it for 40 and I sold it to him for 75 I probably should have charged him 100 But um, but yeah, it was like it, I literally drove it around for like an hour and a half and then it was gone. Uh, I'm going to talk about price too a little bit in that regard, but 75 out of the back of the truck is better than a hundred bucks out of your shop a week later. That's true. That's true. Um, all I'm saying is I didn't have time to prepare mentally and I just threw the number out there. Gotcha. And so I should have said a hundred because it had a mortising attachment on it and it was in relatively decent shape. The only really bad thing was that it was missing the belt. But like I said, I had it, for, I had it for like an hour and a half. I, I I didn't, that was probably the fastest flip. And then a lot of the stuff that's also flipped quickly is back before the podcast, when I would get a deal and I would do stories immediately on something that I'd gotten, 
I would get people on Instagram that would send me a message like, hey, is, is that available? Are you selling that? And then it would sell before I even tried to list it. So I've had I've had that happen. But for the most part, I generally don't flip things. Like most of the stuff I get um, needs to be cleaned up or repaired. And I know that I'm probably going to have it for a little while. Like all the stuff from last week's Dealer's Corner that I got from Don, uh, let, let's say out of the 75 things that I got from him, I've probably sold about maybe uh, a fifth of that. Like I have sold a lot of the items, but a lot of the stuff is, is still here. Like it's, it's a lot. So I know it's going to be here for a while. Plus a lot of the stuff I bought from him, I didn't buy to resell. I bought for myself. There was a lot of things in there that were just for me. Like the the little kit that had the cash box with the moto tool that had all the tiny um, tools for um, making hobby hobby work stuff. Like I, I'm really on the fence about selling that because I don't think it's such a nice little kit. I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm going to have a kid someday. Maybe that would be like a cool little thing to hand down to them. It's vintage. It's like it's something that's like a, it's like a cool little kit that like I think a kid would like. But, you know, that's like who knows if that's ever going to happen. I don't know. But that's like the things that run through my mind. Do you have a time frame that you would consider a flip? I mean, if you if you buy the stuff with the intention of selling it and it takes a month to sell, would you still consider that flipping it? No. I mean, you bought it with the intention of turning around and selling it. No. Hmm. So what kind of what is your what is your time frame that you would consider flipping something? My time frame for a flip at maximum is 72 hours. That is the maximum time frame. That means I've put the, the least amount of effort into it and it's gone. Anything more than that means that it's now it's being stored and it has to be worked on or so on and so forth. Mm, that's interesting. We might have to change the title of this episode to flippishing. Could be. Because I think it should be a little bit longer than that. I would even consider a flip. I've done this many times where, well, I did it this week. I sold my table saw to buy a different table saw. And I would even call that a flip where I'm taking in a new item, selling an old item that it's replacing. Because previous to that, I had done the same thing three three more times to upgrade my equipment. I did that with my jointer. I bought a jointer, sold it when I found a better deal on a bigger jointer. I think that's still flipping. I know what you're saying, though. That's a reverse flip. Like a backflip? Like a backflip, yeah. You're selling one thing to get the same thing, only better. That's a reverse flip or a backflip, yeah. What's a flip-flop? That's when things go bad. Is that when you buy it too much and you can't sell it for more than you paid for it? That's when you buy something and it goes horribly Mm -hmm. wrong. You're right. When you buy something back, when you buy something... That you're sure the Taiwanese guys will buy for nine hundred and you pay six hundred for it, and then they never show up or they don't want it, then that's that's a flip flop. Yeah, that's a flip flop. Yeah. That's a flip flop for sure. It didn't go the way you totally. wanted. No. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's me. That's my personal history. I don't really buy things with the intention of flipping them. It's just that accidentally some things get flipped. Um, I mainly am a value buyer. That, that is the majority of the things that I purchase. I see that something has value. I can get it for a fraction of that value, and I take it. Hmm. That's mainly what I do. I just It's just every once in a while, something like I'll, I'll get some item, and people will start fighting over it. Like, it's just like I have no idea that it's going to happen. It's just all of a sudden, you know, the planets align, and it's just like I'll have like, like the thing that gets flipped – 
I'll have like five more people right behind it, but like, oh, is that still available? Can I still get that? It's gone. Oh man, I really wanted that. Can you get another one? I'm like, I, I don't even know how I got the first one, dude. I, I don't. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's it for me. Uh, Tanda, what about you? Yeah, well, I'm not going to take very long because I I don't really do a lot of buying and selling like you guys do, and so uh, I don't have a lot of good flipping stories. Probably the the fastest flip and one of the only flips I've ever done quickly was at an auction buying a lot of something, like a whole shelf of something, because it was at the end of the auction and the auctioneer was just like, how you know, bidding on this whole shelf. And I had something on the shelf that I wanted. I bid on the whole shelf and someone walked up behind me and was like, oh, I was hoping I would get that. And I was like, well, I don't want that. And they handed me cash. And at the end of the auction, I I gave them what they wanted and kept what I wanted. That's called a side flip. That's a side flip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've done I've done a side flip before. Yeah, I really don't. Uh, mostly, if I buy something, it's something I've been wanting. Now, I have done what you know what Tom was talking about. Maybe not as quickly, but I've purchased something that's serviceable, knowing that someday it will hold its value enough that I can sell it and put that money toward the next one up or something a little bit big, excuse me, a little bit bigger or a little bit, you know, nicer. That all counts. I mean, I think Tom's kind of does this a lot. Before we get to Tom's stuff, um, I know Tom made a comment about time and how much time. My my timetable for flipping is very tight because I, I know people buy houses to flip them. And typically to flip a house, you have to own it for a year. I think there's a lot of states where that's the legal precedent. You can only buy something. You have to own it for a year before you can resell it for certain states. Um, so for for housing, the flipping period is a year. But if you look at it that way, if you took that viewpoint for like my stuff, then every single thing I sell is a flip because it takes like at least a year to sell most of the stuff I have. Well, it's kind of proportional to the dollar value. I think. I mean, if you bought a, you know, a great big CNC mill or something with the intention of flipping it, you probably wouldn't flip it in a few days. But if you could turn it in a month's time, a couple months time, that'd still be a pretty good, pretty good deal. I think that the bigger something is, the the larger the grace period is for flipping. I think that's an easy metric to go with. Yeah. About you, Tom? Yeah, I'll expand on what, on your definition. I would say... A flip for me is something that I am buying to to resell immediately. And sometimes that takes two weeks. Does that make sense? Sure. So if I go into the purchase knowing that I'm not keeping it, that's kind of, I do that mostly. I'm going into the purchase and I usually buy things that I would be okay keeping. I'm still in that. I'm still in that phase where I am, you know, there's still a certain amount of risk involved with spending money on, on large items. You know, my, my horizontal grinder is actually hopefully selling in three weeks. He already gave me a deposit, but that is an item that I would, I would just, I would eat that. I only paid 50 bucks for it. So I would eat that cost and just keep it, you know, and maybe someday it sells. Most of the time I'm finding only the best deals like I'm only buying things when they're just crazy deals because I don't have the time or the room to keep everything I also have been trying to limit my volume so my transactions I know it seems like I'm buying a lathe every week 
And sometimes at a point that was true. Actually, I'm buying. I'm buying a lathe this week. <laughs> this is not fair. Um, so, but but it's like it. Um, you know that thing. I'm probably not going to be able to sell, but it's only hundred bucks, and it's really cool. And the legs alone will sell for three hundred dollars. So, anyways, I'm justifying my my psychosis. But I'm trying to buy things at such a price that when I so I'm buying them at twenty percent of their top dollar value in the marketplace used, right? So if I spend $20 on something and I list it, I'm going to list it for $100, but I will take 80%. I will take $80 because I want it to go. I I want to sell it off the truck. I don't want to store it. I don't want to keep it. I'm okay giving someone, giving the average Joe a bargain, but I'm not an average Joe. I need to steal it. Well, you're like, above average tom yeah totally different mm-hmm. uh, while you were telling that story tom to, to, to interject just a little bit i just remembered talking about flipping things and things that i didn't expect i told you guys last week about the marvel mystery oil uh jason nix uh, apparently collects marvel mystery oil cans and memorabilia and he offered to buy those from me and right behind him was about seven other people that all wanted the Marvel mystery oil stuff, to which I said, mm-mm, that's mine. Not selling that. But I could have what? seven times. I would have sold it. You can still buy Marvin's Marvel mystery oil. You can, but it comes in plastic jugs. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, it's lame. Totally it's, lame. It's, uh, it's not, it's like antifreeze jugs. It has none of the, it has the same logo, but it has none of the class that the, the tin, the round tin you know, comes in and the plus um, all the ones that I've seen that are uh, recent are the top valve oil, which is a fuel additive. And uh, the round cylinder I have is the top valve, but the small can I have is the penetrating oil. And supposedly the penetrating oil is like the best penetrating oil you can get. So that's like now I'm on the hunt for more. It's hard to find. But anyway, that's that's something that I could have flipped like as soon as I posted it at seven people that wanted it instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm selling that stuff. I just I I I feel like my shop is so cluttered that I can't function because I still need my shop for like real things sometimes. And the clutter just needs to go. I've thrown out valuable things because I just I can't deal with them in my way anymore. And it's it's like those items that just they won't sell anytime soon or they're under 20 bucks and I just don't have the patience for it. I don't want you put something on marketplace for 20 bucks and you get the crazies coming out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Like people like me. Yes. Ugh. you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing you want are a bunch of PJs showing up. That's right. Oh my goodness. A group of weirdos. Yeah. Especially if your name's Tom or Tommy, then, then you're really in trouble. If you find a guy that's named PJ Tommy, you better just run. That's all. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> PJ Thompson. That's a that's his first and last name. Probably talk to you about about him on the on his next podcast episode. Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old timey commercial interviews and stuff. 
Hi, y'all. This is Edna down at Johnson's Hardware. Are people cutting you off in traffic, pulling in front of you and slamming on the brakes, and you want to flip them off, but the bird has kind of lost its sizzle? That's right. People have been flipping off since Aristophanes, and it just has lost its meaning. Well, we have just the thing to get people's attention. Uncle Frankie's foul flipper is loaded up with birds. We have both a quail clip, a chicken clip, and a turkey clip. It will hold 10 birds, and it will fling them with up to 45 miles an hour of true speed right into the windshield of the person beside you or behind you. The foul flipper comes with an optional turret that you can use for aiming or if you want to go a little cheaper we have the fixed position foul flipper and it's all yours for just $125 at Johnson's Hardware. So if you come down and get yours today the next time you flip someone the bird they'll know it. They'll probably have to call their insurance company. You'll find us at Patreon com forward slash maker skills. Well, Dagnabbit, I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. And once again, I'm going first. So what skill goes well with flipping? Uh, I'm going to say junk hunting. Yeah because I find all kinds of stuff that I can then accidentally flip. So, I mean, that's that's my go-to answer. What about you, Tanda? I think I'm going to say uh, research goes well. Researching goes well with flipping, because flipping is basically arbitrage. It's basically knowing a difference in price between two things and uh, basically buying and selling something at the same time. And so if you know your markets, if you know something is selling for more on eBay than marketplace or that there are a lot of people in your area who don't want to deal with shipping, then uh, there's some money to be made. Absolutely. Skilled research is definitely high up on the list there. That's for sure. If you don't know your prices, you're not going to get any kind of flipping deal. You might get flipped off. You know. That's true. Tom, what skill goes well with flipping? Juggling. Head shaking is not a skill, Tom. That's just what you do when you're nervous. I got nothing. I don't know. I want to say selling, but that's lame. Well, technically, in this context, selling would be flipping. That's true. It's half of flipping. You could just go with, like, cartwheels and juggling. Perfect. Cartwheels and juggling? Yeah, acrobatics. Acrobatics. Well, that is a skill. So it's com- That's a bunch of skills, come to think of it. Um, I'm going to allow it. Sure. Yeah, it is a skill. It's not the flipping we're talking about, but it's flipping okay for me. Sidebar, Tom? Yeah. yeah. I, I think if PJ right. goes first, his defenses are kind of down. Yeah, I think this is working out great. I, 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 th- I think it, I think he, he had kind of let his defenses down because he'd already gone. And you can slip in most anything. So we'll have to keep that in mind. I feel like after he talks, he just gives up. But since he always talks last, he's just he just digs in every time. Yeah, that's right. So we we should remember this. We're gonna have to. Yeah, yeah we might let, have let to him just, go first. His defenses are down. We can be goof offs. That's well, we're gonna do it either way. Oh, that that's true. But at least this way we get away with it. Yeah, it does seem. You know, it's like that the teacher comes in and they're not feeling good. You know, you can get away with. I just paired flipping with acrobatics, and it wasn't even my idea. Right. And he still, he was just like, yeah, that works. I'm actually a little disappointed, but I got away with it today. Yeah. Well, it's worth noting. Oh, there he is. Oh, he's coming back. Hey, I see something shiny. Let's go get it. 
So while this was a bad week for finding deals for me personally, Tom and I both bought things that are new. Well, sort of new. Tom's is sort of new. Mine is very new. On the back of last week's Ryobi debate on, well, not debate, Ryobi's talk, let's say. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta step in. What happened was PJ called me to talk about Ryobi purchases. And I wasn't, I mean, I was selling them on it. I'm like, yeah, you could get this, you could get that. And we're going through the deals on the Ryobi thing. And I, I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead here, PJ, but before the call ended, I bought a Milwaukee tool. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so what happened was I started going down the Ryobi rabbit hole. And what I wanted was the high output air inflator, which Tom has for inflating air mattresses and a cordless glue gun. So, so they're both cordless, okay? And Ryobi's deal is you buy two batteries, two four amp hour batteries for a hundred bucks and you get a free tool. Well, here's the rub. Neither one of those two tools was with the deal. So I would have had to buy a third tool that, that with the free battery, with the batteries. So I buy the batteries, which I need, and some other tool, which I don't want. And then I would have had to pay full price for both the glue gun and the inflator. And I'm like, that's not it. I got to pay 160 bucks plus tax. That's not a deal. And I get a tool I don't want. And so Tom is like, well, yeah, it seems like they're, they're not really, they don't have as much stuff on sale as they normally do. And then we're going back and forth. And like both of us are looking on Home Depot's website and we're just going back and forth. And I'm like, I typed in at one point, I typed in glue gun and no joke, 30 listings on Home Depot's website come up for glue guns and all but one of them are, are Ryobi. Like they're all the same glue guns over and over and over. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, Tom, they have two glue guns that are exactly the same, but one's more expensive. I don't understand why is this one more expensive? And we're both staring at it. And Tom goes, that that one is dual heat. What? Dual heat? What's What's dual heat? Then all of a sudden we realized that was a new thing. That tool was new. And so neither the dual heat nor the single heat were on sale, but they had a little crafting glue gun that you could get with the kit, which, you know, it's like, that's, that's a piece of garbage. Who wants it? That takes the tiny glue sticks. Nobody wants that. So, so, so I see that now it's got the dual heat and Tom's like, oh, I've only got the single heat. Maybe I want to get the dual heat. Do you want to buy my single heat gun? I'm like, oh, no, it's a piece of garbage at this point. I don't want that. I got to have the dual heat. What are you talking about? So the, the dual heat, in addition to glute sticks, also is hot enough to melt construction adhesive. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know what that is, but I want it. Construction adhesive sounds good. <clears throat> However, it still wasn't on sale. And tool only, it was 50 bucks. And that's twenty dollars more than the single. The single was thirty, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, this is this is really rubbing me the wrong way. Of like, none of this stuff is on sale that I want. And so I'm like, you know what, man, this is like, if I was gonna buy something for like full, almost full price, I just buy Milwaukee tools. I'm like, I'm really digging this M12 die grinder that I have, and my Dewalt batteries are starting to go. And I have a choice of either buying more Dewalt batteries for like over a hundred bucks, 
or switching my, my impact driver and my drill over to the M12 Milwaukee line, which I'm really swinging towards. And so then Tom and I had this whole long conversation about that and I switched tracks and I dove down the Milwaukee rabbit hole. And I, like Tom and I were then both on Milwaukee going back and forth. And I'm like, why is there like 15 impact drivers from Milwaukee? That doesn't make any sense. Like, it was like, they all look the same. And Tom is like, I don't know. And we're both like staring at these things. And now I'm starting to look up model numbers because I can't tell the difference between anything. And what I find out very quickly is that in the M12 lineup, there is a regular impact driver. Uh, there's an impact wrench. There's another kind of impact wrench. And then there is a hydraulic impact driver called the Surge. That was the one that I wanted, the hydraulic one. So the the research revealed uh, the Surge is $200 normal price with two two amp hour batteries, a charger, and a little soft case. Okay, it was on sale for $179. That was not good enough for me. However, that's what we're working with. It's Memorial Day sale. Uh, the drills are were a little trickier. They have a three eighths drill and a half inch drill then they have the same sizes in hammer drill. And the hammer drill ended up being the weak link. I ended up getting a brand new hammer drill, tool only, off Facebook Marketplace, shipped to my door for $72. If you want it tool only from Home Depot, it's like 130. So that was, that was an awesome deal. So I haven't gotten it yet, but it's on the way. And then uh, because that was the weak link, I knew I was gonna have to pay more money for the surge, but I needed two batteries. So I wanted that kit and I managed to find someone in Baltimore for 140 bucks, brand new, same kit. And I'm like, hmm, I texted old timey tools and I'm like, hey Juan, do you think you could pick up this uh, kit for me? It's down there in Baltimore. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, where is it? And I sent him the message, here, here, just talk to this guy. and. You know, it's, it's it's 140 bucks. He goes, that seems kind of high. I'm like, no, 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 that's a good deal. It's a good deal. <laughs> because I had already lost one for 140 seconds. Before, uh, uh, the previous day, the day before I was, I saw one, I tried to buy it. And then by the time I hit buy it now, it was already gone. Somebody had bought it. So, so they're like, that's the price to get is 140 for those. Uh, the reason that that's the price to get is if you want to buy the tool only, whether it's on Marketplace or eBay, it's a hundred bucks for just the Surge impact driver. That means that the batteries and the charger are $40. And when I had to buy two batteries for the die grinder, it cost me 50. So now I'm getting a charger and two batteries for $10 less than it cost me when I set up the die grinder. So basically I'm- Sorry, did you say die grinder? Did you say die, I die, die grinder? Yes. <laughs> yes, that die grinder. Dinegrader that yeah. Tom has. The, the one I bought. The one that he bought that he's been playing with. Because we talked about Ryobi. Oh, yeah. So I, I think the lesson learned here is that if you want to get some Ryobi tools, first got to buy some Milwaukee. Clearly. Um, so that's that's what I got. Was uh, I got uh, some some tools on the way um, to switch up my lineup. That was that was what I, my shiny tools. Tom? I bought a die grinder, but that's not all. D did you hear it? <laughs> You can't like flick the trigger that well. Do you find that that works as well? I mean, do you use pneumatic die grinders as well? No, no, I don't. But there's no hose 
Like, it's really good. I only used it for briefly. I'll, you know what? I'll have to answer this like in a future episode because I don't know yet. I know PJ kind of knows, mm-hmm. but nobody wants PJ's opinion. So I can get back to you on that. But the reviews I, I saw said it if you use a pneumatic die grinder, you will be pleasantly surprised with this one. Yeah. And that was good enough for me. Well, that's I mean, I did a robotics project um, about a year ago where, where the robot was ro- using a die grinder and something without a hose would have been nice. Hmm. Yeah. Because then you don't have to manage the hose around the around the robot. How did the robot like the pneumatic die grinder? It was totally fine with it, but they're not very picky. Yeah. Tom, did you did you want to talk about the other thing you bought? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. Uh, again, I forgot we record podcasts on Tuesday evening. So at 645 in my driveway was my brother's truck, my trailer. And on the trailer was an almost new saw stop. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. <sighs> <sighs> I bought a saw stop, a real saw. Like, it's nice. It's shiny. So Tom just bought a saw stop. And uh, and we start talking about what you bought new, and he comes out with a die grinder. <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. I'm, that was kind of a bait and switch. Yeah. I'm equally. I I might be more excited about the die grinder because, like, I've had a table saw. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never had a die grinder. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That die grinder fills a hole in your shop that you didn't know was there. That's the best way to say it. You're absolutely right. That's right. You're absolutely right. So if you need to spin weenies as well as cut them, you're set. Yeah, exactly. So I bought a saw stop. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned to a friend of mine locally that I asked him, I knew he had a saw stop and I was like, what did you get? Like, I'm looking at this. They're kind of expensive. And I was considering ordering a brand new saw stop. Like, I don't know if I would have pulled the trigger yet, but he goes, wait, 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 wait. He said, my fam, you know, me, my wife and my daughter, we're talking about selling our house and traveling for a year and then resettling somewhere. And he bought a saw stop, a three horsepower professional, whatever, 36 inch thing uh, with the really cool mobile base that has a bottle jack on it. You pump it and the saw lifts and the. And then all four casters are swivel casters. So you can like take two fingers and just move your entire saw around in a circle. It's really cool. That's cool. It's very cool. So he was like, maybe I can let you like, you know, maybe you can use it while we figure out where we're going to end up. Cause they're probably going to end up back here. And I said, that'd be great. But I was like, why don't I buy it from you? Like just for like the cleanliness of that idea versus borrowing it with open-endedly. So we did a little bit of a reverse negotiation where he said, I don't know if I want to share the price. I paid good money for it. I got a discount on a brand new saw stop. That's the deal I got. I didn't steal it. It, I didn't get a crazy deal, but he kind of threw out a number. He's like, it would suck to lose a thousand dollars in eight months on this saw. Like he started there. He started at like the, the price that would hurt his feelings. <laughs> so, and then he goes, but maybe like 800. And then I went, well, why don't we do, I could do 200 more than that. 
Like I, we were, we were doing a reverse negotiation where I was paying him more than he wanted. And he was trying to give me a better deal than I, than I was asking for. Um, so I still got a good deal on a freaking brand new saw. Like, I don't think he passed 200 bore feet through that thing. Um, so that's a huge bonus, but it is pretty and shiny and I almost broke it getting it. It was bad. He has a gravel driveway. We had on a tractor, a tractor trailer, like a lawn tractor trailer, because we had to get it from his shop all the way down his yard to the driveway. And I was standing on the tractor trailer end because it was going to like pop up. Like between the tractor and the trailer, it wanted to bow up. So I was standing on it to keep it down. And at one point I let up and the, the arm that holds the trailer to the tractor is like a C channel mm-hmm. facing the ground. And those are not supposed to support upward lift. Uh-huh. So it buckled. I broke his trailer. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and the saw took a dive, but we had strapped it to the trailer trailer. So it didn't take a super bad dive. And then our alternate, like then our only option was to drag it off of this trailer that was now pitched at like a 30 degree angle onto the gravel and then winch it onto my trailer over the gravel. I'm just glad it was my fault and I got to fix his trailer. I mean, he didn't care, but I told him I'd fix it anyway. And then I, and then I was like, well, what are you doing with the trailer? <laughs> Cause he's got to get rid of stuff. And I was like, my brother wants it. Uh, he's like, oh, he can have it. I go, no, 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 no. We'll take his money. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to fix the, tra- the, the, the trailer the trailer holds like a thousand pounds but it's like a small relatively small lawn trailer it all worked out did you look at the scratches on the bottom of the saw stop after and go i'm not sure this is worth what i just paid for it it's got scratches all over it (laughs) tanda tanda you're being a bad friend (laughs) but i do have a die grinder i could fix those scratches (laughs) you say bad friend i'm saying savvy buyer i mean savvy buyer No, why would I look at the scratches I put there? These will buff out. PJ would have done. He would have been like, hey, I didn't notice all these scratches before. I paid them before we put it on the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Always pay after it's loaded. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. True story. Or or get paid before you unload it. Ugh. True story. Well, that's a that's a great deal. Yeah, just kind of a tangential thing. The uh, we have a really well outfitted makerspace, and they have a saw stop which is wonderful. And it's kind of a downside of having a maker space because it makes justifying things more difficult because you're like, you know, it'd be really nice on those odd occasions to have a really nice table saw. And it's like, or I could just go down to the maker space and use theirs. And the same is true uh-huh. of their powder coating setup and the, and their plasma table. And they have a big, you know, full size shop bot. Interesting. And so it's like, Darn them, they've taken away my justification because now I have to weigh it against, well, I could just drive down to the makerspace and use theirs. I am an instructor and it and it is essentially free to me. We should put a pin in that because that is a great topic. I have always wondered why I would go to a makerspace. I'm not talking pro or con against them or, you know, I just, I'm like, why don't I just buy the tool? But you bring up a good point. Yeah, maybe makerspacing will be a a topic that's a skill yeah i don't like people touching my stuff so i'm, so I'm gonna say that, you know that's a that's a big part of it i mean you go to a maker space 
and you use something and you go back three weeks later and it's it's moved or it's broken or it's not adjusted the same way and and so that that's that's part of it. I'm I'm the guy that would come in and, and something be broken. I'm like, who broke my saw? <laughs> you know, my saw. Yeah, <laughs> I was using this three weeks ago. Who broke it? My saw that I paid twenty five dollars a month for. <laughs> yeah, that that would be my attitude. Is like someone broke the saw I was going to use. How dare you? What's wrong with you people paying twenty five dollars right next to me? So uh, I don't remember if I said this. I think Tom said something, and I didn't get to say it, but. The two tools together with the batteries and everything cost me the price um, of one tool. Because if I had to buy both of the kits at full price, it would have been about $450. And as is, I paid just over $200. So that is, that is the rabbit hole I go down for new tools. I only buy new tools if they're cordless. If they are corded, chances are you can get them used for way, way cheaper. Uh, I just also want to wrap up my little thing with, uh, I spent more on a table saw than I did on my first five cars combined. <laughs> you had really bad first cars, Tom. That's yeah. Ford Probe. The, oh, yeah, that's definitely Mitsubishi bad Eclipse. That's not a bad car. It was, this one was pretty bad. Okay, it was in bad condition. I think I paid $100 for it. You got a deal. This, I, this was like 25 years ago. I just bought an engine from the 1900s. Doesn't even have the rest of the car. <laughs> That's pretty bad. You got a bad deal. And paid and paid half as much as I paid and uh, for my truck. It, Tanda Tanda <laughs> yeah. got taken. Tom, we need to we need to have a conversation with her offline. She's uh, she's making some bad decisions <laughs> here. So. She needs some. Co- she just needs some coaching. This this yard tractor is is really poor. Yeah. Hey, I see you looking at my stuff. Go get your own, Shanny. All right. It's time for short and sweet. Wrapping up the show, um, I am. I'm happy to say, if you haven't checked my Instagram, I, I hit a milestone today. I completed the paint job on my first four-inch Wilton bullet vise, and this is a milestone for me because when I became aware of the bullet vise's existence several years ago, I kept lusting after them, but they're all typically around $300 to $500. And that is way out of the junk hunter budget. This was traded to me in a deal from Old Timey Tools. I traded him the Emmert Pattern Maker's Vice last fall. And this probably has about 14 coats of paint on it that I had to go back uh, and redo it several times because the Junk Hunter Blue paint I am using, the Hammerite Blue, is very thick and it likes to run. You think that it's pulled up and it's fine, and then when you leave it, it runs in the dark when you're not looking. So um, it is uh, pinstriped. I tried to make it look Art Deco. No one else has ever painted a vice like this that I've ever seen. So it has a very original look to it, and it is actually sitting about three feet away from me in my bedroom. I don't know where it's going, but it will never, ever be used. It's a showpiece. Uh, It is absolutely gorgeous. And I was super happy, so I put it to music on Instagram. So that's all I got to say. Tanda, you got anything for short and sweet? Very very cool. I'll have to take a look. I don't have much for short and sweet um, that really goes along with the with the topic. So I think I'll just pass it over to Tom. Tom looks flabbergasted. I want that vice. I I just looked your vice up. It's, you did a great job. That's really sharp looking. Thank you. Reminds me of the reminds me a little bit of like the New York Yankees uniform. 
even though it looks nothing like it. The pinstriping. So the yeah. pinstriping. Yeah. 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 That somebody somebody had asked me. Um, somebody made a comment said I bet it was hard to pinstripe that vice, and I said it's like a crackhead getting the shaky hands going through withdrawals trying to paint pinstripes on a curved vice. It 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 was like literally a centimeter at a time. I was going as slow as possible. That's cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram, and you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time. Mm, This was made on the fly. I hope you like it. Well, we're transitioning from spring into summer. And, you know, guys, this reminds me of that time that we all got hired to do that all-seasons room. Do you remember that? Mm. I I remember that well. It's where I learned what an all-seasons room is. Uh, yeah, apparently they're not very popular down there where you live, right? I, I hadn't heard it called that, and so, I i mean, maybe one of you can explain what, what it actually is, but I thought it was like a room that made its own seasons. And so I, I was tasked with bringing the supplies, and I went all out. What, what did you bring, Tanda? Just to refresh my memory, because you had so much stuff, I don't even remember all. It was a lot of big equipment. I I brought piping. I I brought a a misting device. I brought comp- big mud compressors that we could use to spray water and freeze it. I bought rain drip stuff. Oh gosh, I I bought huge fans for spring wind. I I don't know what all I had. I had a whole trailer full of stuff. Um, you know, along with the traditional building, you know, just two buys and stuff to frame in a room. You you also brought that that like sun repli- replicator. It was just a lot of UV light. And I just, to this day, I think it was unnecessary. We all got burned pretty bad. Yeah. It was a solar simulator that they use for testing solar panels. And yeah, it's, it's like for testing like 20 year life of, uh, of a panel in like 10 minutes. Well, my eyebrows still grow unevenly. So I, I, um, I shouldn't have said that. Never, never mind. I'm, I'm still not taking full credit for that because I don't. I don't remember that they didn't grow unevenly before. So I'm. I'm still not sure I'm going to take credit for that. PJ, you you should really stop drinking Evaporust. It's. I understand it's non toxic, but it's not a good idea. You trying to tell me that when my eyebrows burst into flames, you don't remember that? Well, I remember that. Well, yeah, I remember that. We've got video, but I don't I don't remember that, you know, I don't know that that would cause them to grow back oddly. I mean, I've seen other people's eyebrows burst into flames, you know. Oh. The, the, uh, okay. I, I assumed that the follicles were burnt out. Uh, maybe, maybe there's some kind of other, never, never mind. I forget I mentioned yeah. it. Yeah.
Yeah, but I mean, mm. I maybe maybe you guys are familiar with it, but I I had never heard of a an all seasons room or a four seasons room before. You guys could have said, oh, it's just like a patio, it's like a sunroom or something, but no. And then I show up with all of this stuff. I thought it was a really cool idea. You know, the customer wanted up here. You have like three season rooms. That's what they're called. It's, and it's really like a screened in porch that you just don't go in during the winter because you don't have heat out there. So you can use that space for three seasons. And this person, uh, you know, they were kind of vague, but they kind of said they want a four seasons room or an all seasons room. So, and they didn't give us a lot of detail. So we just kind of ran with it. Um, I was surprised when we got there and it was like just this little room, like, I don't know, 12 by 12 room off the kitchen seemed a little odd. Um, it it helped. We, I mean, we made it work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a lot easier to make it snow in a small room and to do the ice yeah. rink and and everything because it just did, you know, we ended up using only half of all of the plastic layment that I brought down for the ice skating rink because mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be a lot bigger. I thought, well, if you want to make like seasonal changes in a room, it's probably a you know, like a big room, you might want to play sand volleyball or go ice skating or, you know, a lot of different things. Well, you know, in Pennsylvania, the, the, those rooms are slightly different because our temperature, our climate's different. So I, we don't have like the screens like they do where Tom is in Connecticut, where it's like trying to keep everything out. We just try to keep like the big things out. So I thought that roll of chicken wire was going to be perfect to just wrap around and keep out like the bears and cats and raccoons and stuff I, I didn't know we were supposed to have like that fine mesh screen like you have on a screen door that they didn't really specify we didn't get a lot of details from the owner so right it was really just that one email from what i recall right and then I, and then i thought the screen was was for spraying water through to turn it into a mist so that we could make various you know winter conditions so it was just just kind of crazy. And the homeowners gave us no guidance because they were like, we're leaving on vacation. When we get back, you know, you guys can just take over, do whatever you need, and then it'll be done when we get back. Well, they were really cool. They really respected our our ideas, our artistry. They didn't want to put us in a box. They didn't I mean they did literally put us in a box, but they didn't want to, you know, put too many parameters where we couldn't be creative. And I thought that was I thought that was really cool of them. Yeah, yeah, as I recall, they just pointed at it and said, this is the season's room. We're on vacation. Knock yourselves out. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, when they came back and... Um, and, and yeah, and boy, did we, I mean, we, we'd like, watch, watch this. And we had like a pre-programmed thing that went through all of the oh, seasons man. that you could run from your phone. Uh, and yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was like all four seasons in 20 minutes in a room. It was spectacular. Yeah, but but then we watched their facial expression go through every emotion possible because that was that was not what they wanted. They they went on vacation and came back with cases of of spices. They had like every known seasoning that you could possibly buy and they were going to put it all away in the seasoning room, but we yeah. they wanted a big pantry. It's basically they just they just wanted a walk-in pantry and yeah 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 well it was uh they, they didn't that was unfortunate they, they didn't that was make us they didn't make us tear it out right away though 
we we got to come back the next day and and do most of the tear out. So that was I guess that was good. I mean, I I really support you, Tanda. You were your your argument was great that if they just left it on the cold setting, that it would keep all of the spices super fresh, like a walk-in freezer. But that that wife just was not having it. She was she was really like I, I don't know. She wasn't very flexible. I think she would have gone for it until she saw the meter turning. I mean, I was using like four thousand watts of of power to to get that down yeah. to temperature because I mean it, it would it would freeze pretty much anything you put in there. There was also a lack of, of shelving, you know, like, I don't think they wanted just their spices in a box on the ground. Well, yeah, you're not going to fly a spring kite in a 12 by 12 room with a bunch of shelves on on the wall. You need you, We were limited with space. I, well, you and I know that. I mean, they could have piled it up on the lawn chairs. That's all I'm saying. I mean, they, they didn't really want to work with us on it. I mean, all, all the, all the time and effort we put into it, I feel like. I feel kind of cheated. You know, we, we, we did something that was really difficult in a short amount of time, and they just didn't appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably do it again. I'd like to say we learned our lesson, but yeah, we'll probably do it again. That's true. Yeah, sure, they made something. They made it all up. What are we going to talk about for 48 minutes?